wasn't just about winning that event. Like I said two weeks before when I was just working her out in the flat and mum come out and watched her because she kind of had a personal investment, like interest in her. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, if I make the final, that's my goal. But if I don't, I said, I'm, I feel really happy about what I've done with it because I said, I just, I love where I'm at with her. So I was kind of, I was proud with where we were for us, for me and that horse, whether we won or what, whether we finaled, I was really, I just knew I had a good horse. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to your weekly dose of horse madness. This week's episode... Yep, you guessed it, another big episode. Earlier this week, I managed to catch up with Scott and Lindy McNaughton, who are from Tamworth, New South Wales. They make their living through training horses for the camp draft cutting and challenge scene. Scott and Lindy are great people to catch up with, and we had a great yarn, and got a really interesting story and some really awesome career highlights that we went through. A major highlight for them was when Lindy managed to win the 2018 Landmark Classic Challenge on a horse they purchased out of the sale called Candy. Now I won't ruin the story because it's an incredible journey they went through as they went through a big emotional roller coaster, but came through on the other side with a positive outcome and an incredibly awesome experience. A big shout out to you, Scott and Lindy. Thank you so much for joining us on the 90 or Nothing podcast show. Just before we jump into this interview, guys, a few things coming up. The NCHA National Finals at Toowoomba are next week, so we'll be heading up there and can't wait to catch all the action. Also, the King of the Rangers is following that on the 28th, 29th of February and the 1st of March, so be sure to head on up to those events, guys, and support them as they are great spectators' events. And yeah, we can't wait to watch all the action there. Then, looking a little further down the calendar year, guys, put a circle around the 9th and 10th of May and clear it for whatever you have because the Corindai Quart Pot Stockman's Challenge is on that weekend. Now, this is a new challenge on the scene that involves the preliminary events of a dry work, bareback obstacle, whip crack, cross country and finals being a time trial and working cow horse. The sections include open, ladies, novice, junior, and billy lids. So be sure to jump on their Facebook page, that's the Corindai Quart Pot Stockman's Challenge, and keep an eye out for when their entries open so you can get in and amongst the action. Alright guys, a big thank you to our great sponsors, Camp Draft Training Online and Select Size. We'll jump right on into this episode with Scott and Lindy. I started off our conversation by asking them where it all started for them and where they grew up. Well, I'm I'm come from Mary War and I've always fiddled around with horses and very keen with working them and young ones and everything. And I think I just run on run into you at drafts and stuff when you're being carted around. Yeah, well, I used to always spend a fair bit of time school holidays with my uncles, Bruce and. Peter McNaughton and so yeah it's sort of yeah I'd go to drafts with them school holidays and work with them and that sort of deal. Yeah, Where'd you grow up Scott? Uh, finished last of my school was out at Manila actually. Yep. I was at Inverell before that um, but yeah I like I always rode horses as a 
as a kid, but I didn't really compete yeah. very much until I left school, really. Hmm. And then, uh, like, because my dad used to sell um, rodeo gear. Right. He used to drive a truck around to rodeos and sell gear, so I always thought being a cowboy was going to be the go. So I always thought I had that in mind, more wanting to ride bucking horses than anything, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when I sort of got the opportunity to, to do that, I sort of went with that first. And really, I only broke in and rode horses was to make money so I could go to rodeos, really, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> no, that's right. So you mentioned Bruce McNaughton's your uncle. What what was it like what you know, learning and working from him? What what made him so you know, what makes him that class of competitor he is? Oh, I think the thought he puts in you know, and his horsemanship with it. Uh, he's dedicated and Yeah, yeah, like you'd finish work and he'd be down there every afternoon on the flat or working cattle or whatever but every day, even weekends he's down there working at it. And, uh, you know, just he wouldn't put me on any young horses for long. But, like, then three-year-olds and four-year-olds before he draft them, like, they were broke. You know, I remember getting on a pair of joggers on one day and you get on one and you're just moving your feet and these things are shifting their hips or shifting shoulders and all you want to do is walk in a straight line. And, you know, and holy Jesus, like, <laughs> how do you get them like this? So it was just being able to ride horses like that. Like I said, he didn't put me on for very long. He'd hunt you off and before you done some damage but uh, but he just gets you on there and give you a feel of it and you, and you sort of start thinking well geez I'd like to strive to, to be able to do that yeah uh, and he's you know he's, he's horsemanship that goes with it you know there's a lot of a lot of horsemen or you know your, your trainers and that at all more of the mechanics of how a horse works where he was more you know your mental side of it as mm-hmm. as well with your with your horses you know how to keep them how to keep them good and quiet and but still be able to do what you've got to do with them and have them settle down once you do it, you know, not be hot and bothered and and uh, causing you a heap of grief as well. So Yeah, and do you feel like that sort of foundation and the things you learnt off him play into your program a lot today? Oh, yeah, still do. Still do, yeah. Still do, yeah. yeah. You know, like in, of a night you'd sit down there because they didn't have, at Glenrock there, they didn't have TV so much, so he'd put on horse training videos, you know, seen a lot of Craig Johnson videos and things like that every night there was a different training one on there so even just watching them and then you know you're only riding a station horse the next day but you might be messing around with it and yeah Bruce would probably tell you to get out of it and stop messing around with the station horse but you know they're just things that got you thinking about things from a you know I think I started going there I was about 11 I think so up until I left school so all them sort of things play into it to where you yeah you're thinking about how you're going about your horse and what you're doing with it all the time, really. Yeah. So. Definitely. And then you guys together went over to the States or on separate occasions? Well, I first went when I was 15 because um, I went over and worked for a fellow called Ross Hanson that used to come out and do clinics over here and he invited me back over there. So I went back over and did breaking in with him for about three months and kind of got exposed a little bit to a fellow that does reining which i straight away i was like oh i want to know more about that that looks really cool so i used to buy books and videos again um, to do with that because i thought well that's got to help with what we're doing um and then yeah we went back over when we had billy and when he was yeah i went before that oh you went before that yeah yeah i went over to canada in 98 
Yeah, when he was born. Yep. And then we went again when he was one to rodeo. No, two. When he was two, yeah. Yeah, kind of two when next time we were over there. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that was our stint, just doing some rodeos over there, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. Did you rodeo much? No, I never rodeoed. (laughs) No, never ever got into that side of it. I just um, was happy to follow along with Scott and watch him and... Um, not that I got to go to anything over in the sta- um, when we went in the states. I pretty much lived in a horse trailer with Billy at a friend's place, um, just as a base, and yeah. used to catch up with him when he come back in between rodeos. But because yeah. we lived just... in Canada, but I'd travel down to the states. Right, you'd go for, for but, probably two weeks at a time, and then come back again, and then sort of do it like that. Yeah, we made the decision that if we went, we went together. I um. We weren't, we weren't comfortable with one staying at home and one going, so we just decided to go together and, yeah, that's how we done it, didn't we? Yeah. Till we got broke and decided we'd had enough and <laughs> thought, right, we better go home and more start broke again. Than, more broke than anything. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely had fun over there, though. We did, yeah. yeah met yeah. lots of great people and memories, yeah. Yeah. Got lots of memories. Yeah, definitely. And then what was the thought process behind learning that raining foundation to, to bring that back here like how did you think that would help oh i just seen so many so many things like their their speed control because i drafting speed control was an issue for me when i was younger i sort of couldn't get them to check outside and and um their circles like they can get them to circle so good they can get big circles small circles and they can get speed control and and softness and and then to get all that raining you need to have them really good in the mind which um yeah that you got to have them good in the mind to chase cattle as well so all that's helped as far as my sort of program um i like all that side of it and then it helps with the challenges too so yeah which i'm really interested in so you touched on that um getting them right in the mind and it's been mentioned on this podcast earlier before but that seems to play a major factor getting their mind right as yeah. most people can get a horse physically doing it mm. but what would how how important is that to for a horse to you know operate at its full capability and i don't think you haven't got their head right you won't get them to their yeah. full capacity yeah you know uh, and that was another thing we went to a ray hunt clinic for i don't know that was over 20 years ago and um just what we got out of that you know and, and built off that and bruce bruce he had a little bit to do with ray when he used to come out here in the early days too um so that's why we sort of we went to it and just the sort of stuff he spoke about it getting the horse's head right and we still you know still work on trying to do that sort of thing now because i don't think you'll you'll get the best of your no. horse without it we, we spend hours talking about it don't we drive the kids nuts i think in the car because that's our main topic is you know what horse is doing and what frame of mind they're in and what it probably needs to what we need to do with it to get it in a better frame of mind and that's even like we've had jake and lord come over and do some schools and he talks about getting a horse into a training frame of mind right and i just love that idea of that that isn't like to get them yeah. into that training frame of mind if you can get them into that then you can get them to to search for um what you're after more can't you yeah, help you out them, more instead of them just trying to tune survive. out and survive you want them to get in that mind where they want to do something willingly and um, more freely and softer and yeah well you want to get to where you start thinking 
you know, what you want to do is you canter in circles and you think, well, I want to stop over there and you feel that horse start to prepare. come up underneath you and prepare. Like, that's mm. pretty cool when they start that. Yeah. You know, it'd be pretty pretty awesome if you start thinking it and your horse starts wanting to do it. And they can they can do it if you, if you give them the opportunity, I think. And that's what, like, didn't Graeme sort of say to you that you want them to make up for your um, yeah, mistakes? Someone, and someone once asked Mouse, they said to him, like, how much training do you want on your horse and how much cow do you want it? And he said, well, I want enough cow in them they can fix up my mistakes, but enough training that I can fix up theirs, right. you know, which I still yeah. go off that. You know, you want to be able to have them broke enough that you can take over if you need to, but you still want enough cow in them that they, if you make a mistake, they can take some responsibility and say, sort yeah. of say, no, well, I think I'm right this time and I'll cover this one for you which yeah, is you, cool when they start looking after things for you and you don't have to do as much. And then their confidence gets better, which is to do with their mind. Like their confidence in their decisions of what they need to get done gets better, doesn't it? And yeah. Yeah. So I know this is a bit broad, but so what are some of the actual things you're looking for to achieve that? Like how do you get that mental capacity and ability for them to settle with you? A lot of, a lot of it's about letting them work at it. You know, if you you're asking them to do a manoeuvre, yeah. you know, you've got to ask for it, but then you've got to kind of set it up so that they can find kind the of answer. find it, you know, so they can find the answers to, to help you with it. And that's no different to getting a gate. You're going to go up to a gate. You know, you want that horse, you know, as a young horse, they don't know where to be up near it or, you know, so you've got to help them get there. Eventually, they'll just get to where they sidle up to a gate. They make the decision. They know their job. Yeah, they, they know what their job is. Mm. So you, that's you leave them alone then. Mm. And the more you leave them alone, the more their mind settles down, doesn't it? Yeah, and they start knowing their job, so they get more settled, and then they start looking for, okay, well, what do you want? Because if I get the right thing done here, they'll leave me alone. But if you constantly nitpick at them, you know, you're always setting them up and you're always manually, mechanically kind of um, doing everything for them, they'll never, ever get the confidence or the ability to um, make decisions and, and... yeah, you've got to give them the option to work it out. Yeah. A lot yeah. of times so we don't, we you know, you you want a specific manoeuvre, so you manhandle them into it, and you don't give them time to think about it. But mm-hmm. if you can just ease off a little bit and... We spend a lot of time pulling up and letting them think too, don't we? Like, yeah. it's a big thing. Yeah. That's part of, you know, when they get something, I do pull up and I just sit real quiet, leave them really, leave them alone, let them digest it. And I mean, you need them to, to stand in your challenges and stuff, so that's all part of what I need to teach them, but that's a big part of letting them stop and think, isn't it? Yep, yep. Yeah. And now, you mentioned that you, um, you mentioned Graham Amos before. Did you guys spend a bit of time working for him, or...? Yeah, I worked for him for three years. Yeah. I was two and a half years at Dubbo, and then I went to Kalani for six months with him. Yeah. Uh, and then, then finished up, and that's when we come back to Tamworth after that. Right. So, what was it like working for him? Oh, it was good. I still remember the first day I was working for him, and like I come out, he, I don't think it was just two year old or something. I was riding about there, and he, he sort of watching through the fence, and and then he come over and he sort of talking to me a bit about it and asking some stuff, and I'm sitting there with probably half stupid grin on my face, and you can see him looking at, it, but he wouldn't realise. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm sitting here with Graham Amos telling me what i got to do with this horse like how cool is this yeah. you know because you know I've, I've knew of him for for a long time and he yeah chance to to work with the guy and he, he not long come back from the states then and and uh well you ask anyone as far as it goes as far as cutting goes he was a 
he was a man for a long time so yeah it was yeah, it was it was a good experience yeah got, a, got a lot off him yeah and you're out there too Lindy yeah but I I sort of um I had the three kids so I was sort of always busy looking after them so I kind of stayed out of the road with all that didn't I and didn't have a hell of a lot to do with it I just looked after the kids pretty much mm. Mm. so that w- working a cutting horse with Graham what was sort of his main goals there like he, you know how I, I know you said before like there's going to be enough cow in him to make up for your mistakes and whatever but what were some of the things to achieve that did he start working cattle pretty early on those horses yeah mechanical cow like he, he talked about starting you know could have been second or third ride sometimes but yeah you you give him you give him a week's ride and then you'd start him on that mechanical cow um and his main deal was about having them cowed up mm. first first and foremost they had to be cowed up and then he put the style that he wanted on them after that as it went you know and at any time that the style kind of got in the road of being cowed up we go back to to getting cowed up again and and go from there and you know since i've worked for him you try different different things but sort of as you as you go along the more i go along the more i start coming back to them things again and thinking well yeah that stuff did work because you you know you go through all your different stages in training to where you know i'd, I'd have them cowed up but then you think well, all right well i'll try some other things and get them a bit more patterned or do something else and but uh like you said, pretty much if they're cowed up, it might get a little ugly sometimes, but if they don't lose a cow, you're still going to get a score. If they've just got a pattern on them and mm. they kind of lose point, like the point of blocking a cow and they get get a little worried, um, the next thing you know that they don't go with the cow, well, you don't get a score at all for that. So yeah, um, the, having them cowed up and, and um, is a fairly big part of it. And yeah. Like I say, you can get them cowed up and then you can start putting that style that you want on them. They just seem to handle a lot better too as far as their their mind too because you're not, uh, you know, he very rarely got in the road of a horse. He, his biggest thing was that you prepare it going, ac- like going across that pen. If, um, you know, they had a bad turn on one end, he's always, well, you've missed that one. So you work the other end and when you come back there, you start preparing for that stop and turn yeah, before you get there. Right. That way, yeah, he said, if you miss that one, well, you, you know it's going to be a mess the next one, so you better look look out and fix it up again. But it was always, always about the preparation, you know, get them prepared before you get there. Right. Once they've made the mistake, it's too late. You can't do anything about that. So you look to fix it up the next time. Mm. Yeah. And this was like, it's a pretty long process. Like, uh, it's easy to say just, you know, you get them cowed up and then you put a style on them. But it's not like... You know, one day you're being a cow horse, and then next day we're putting the style on. Is it? No, no. It it was just he just as he went. That's how it worked. You know, like he'd he'd start them young horses. Uh, you know, like I'd, I'd do a fair bit with them as two year olds. But when he'd get on them, you know, they'd go down there on that flag, and it didn't matter if they spat their hind end out or what they done. And you'd look at it sometimes, and you go, oh, "Geez, that looks that's messy." But you come back there two weeks later and these things are stopping and coming back through there and and that's when I, you know you start realizing well maybe he does know what he's talking about because that that seems to work out and he just like he i from people i've been around like he put his hand down one a lot earlier than most right um and because they just they cowed up so they would and then 
like I say, then he just as gradually went along, he'd start picking up on some other things and just getting a little more broke as he, as training went on, he'd get them all broke so that, you know, first thing was the cow. As they get older, you start getting them all broke, you know, before you work a cow and it just starts building into that program as he goes mm. to where he, you know, they're pretty broke horses. You talk to anyone by the time they, he's done with them, yeah. you know, they're, they're pretty broke to work on a cow. Yeah. So... It's because it seems like, like horses obviously aren't silly and they're just, it, it's almost like he's put it on so that they work out that, well, the quickest, um, you know, the quickest time from one distance to the next is in a straight line and it's like they just work out that they, they've got to hold their ass and keep yeah. their bum on the ground to get back there because yep. that's their job. Yeah, well, you know, ride them, ride them to the bottom of that stop and, you know, he'd, he'd get a little long on cows there and, you know, but that makes sure they get stopped, and then they might be a little bit, bit late. But you know, you you ride them out of position. It doesn't take them long, and they kind of start wanting to be in position. If you make it harder when they're out of position, you know. But if you go pulling on them when they're in position, well, then you know they start wondering where they're supposed to be. Yeah. But you know, you get get long on one, get out past the cow a bit, and that's you know you're going to stop and turn out there, and they start thinking, well, if I stop and turn a little earlier, he's not going to get hold of me. Yeah. So they start working out. You've got to go with the cow. Hey, guys. We interrupt this interview to bring you a quick word from our great sponsor, Camp Draft Training Online. Are you guys sick of not making the finals? Maybe you can't put a big run together. Well, why not jump on www.teamcto.com.au to find out all the latest and greatest tips from some of Australia's greatest horsemen and camp draft trainers. These guys will certainly make the difference in your program. So remember, when spurring and jerking just ain't working, jump on www.teamcto.com.au and subscribe and make sure you get yourself into that winner's circle. Linda, you touched on it before, but just talk to us a little bit more about your time overseas and the mentors you had over there. Um... So Ross Hanson, he used to come out and do some clinics over here and um, I guess it was my first real exposure to, to um, actually working out how to train them, I guess, as such and putting a style on them and um, i probably changed a lot since then. He was just my first um, person that I was around that, yeah, showed me different ways of doing stuff um but then yeah i went and seen this guy at raining and i was just like oh that's really cool i need to know more about that and uh, pretty much then i just read read books um i used to watch bruce a lot yeah because i yeah have a lot of respect for him and just watching and read watching stuff and reading stuff is basically what i've basically done um and then yeah just listening to what scott does with graham and stuff but mm. that's about pretty much my ideal just working at it at home in your own little environment <laughs> yeah yeah which is a pretty important thing to do yeah you gotta just, go through it a lot yourself just working different horses and because everything changes all the time constantly with every new horse um you got to approach things maybe a bit different with each horse and we keep saying to ourselves that we just keep learning so you can add tools to the toolbox yeah um, that's how we look at it keep adding more stuff to the toolbox because you need a big toolbox when you're working with yeah, it don't you? they're all they're all different and yeah. all individuals with it so you got to keep you know sometimes coming up with new adjusting. stuff to get things through to them to get them so they can understand it and mm. adjust to them a little bit to to get it through so it works yeah 
Was there any? Was there ever a time that either of you two saw Bruce or or um, Graham work a horse that you were just like, "Holy smokes, that's incredible!" Like all that. the time, yeah. Yeah, fair few of them things. Yeah. As a kid, yeah. I'd watch Bruce just warming his horses out the back of the draft, and I was just like, "I want to know how he does that." And yeah, the same when you watch Graham, you saw like. What's he doing there? He doesn't even, doesn't even look like he's doing anything. No, most time you watch Graham, and yeah, he doesn't look like he's it. doing much at all. But And that's what's so magic about it. Yeah, they don't take it away from the horse because no. they they sort of sit up there and leave the horse to they do the job and they sort of stay still and stay out of their road, really. That's what we're always, yeah, that's what our aim is, always trying to do less, isn't it? Mm. See what we can get done, more get more done by doing less because... It's, it's good to watch. It's smooth and, yeah. Yeah. Like like the look of it. Well, it, it sounds like, a, you know, all those old fellas say, they just say, just, just ride them. <laughs> and it's... Yeah. I mean, there's a bit in that, but a lot of that sort of comes down to just, just go and do it. Yeah, well, I, we, we often talk about watching people um, at Landmark because you get to see lots of um, people from different states that you don't always get to see. And I always look at... Will Durkin's another one. I just sit there and watch him... I think he's cool because he just he doesn't get in their road. He yeah. just sits back and I think he's pretty good to watch too. Yeah, as a young one coming up, like there's a yeah. I like watching those ones that you just think they're not even doing anything and they get it done. <laughs> yeah, yep, it's pretty cool. Definitely. So. Well, taking back a little bit, you guys when you went to the states, you said Billy and Billy's your son. Um, he was only one or two. Turn two while we were yeah, there. That's right. Yeah. That's that's a big move from you guys going over there with a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah, we've always lived life, um, as I said to you before, we always lived life that if we just thought an opportunity come up, um, whether it made sense or not, if we wanted to do it, we thought, let's do it. Yeah. It might not make sense and mum and dad mightn't agree, but we're no, going to do it. Plenty of things. Yeah. <laughs> so we did and we just went because we always knew that, oh, well, We'll just come back and we'll start again. It's no big deal. We don't want to ever regret not going and doing anything. So we yeah, kind of lived it like do that. I think is get older and look back and think, geez, I wish I had done that when I had the opportunity. Yeah. Like I, I went to Japan for six months when I was, I was, must have been 18. or I might have turned 19 over there. No, when I turned 18 over there, I think, just raking in thoroughbreds. Like, yeah. Because I, I was up in the Territory and there's a bloke I knew there was a jockey. And when I come back, he rang me up and said... Uh, he said, get you a job in Japan if you want. Yeah. And I said, oh, I, said, I probably don't really need it. And he said, oh, it's pretty good money. Said, well, what the hell? So, I, yeah, I shipped up and went there for six months, breaking in thoroughbreds just because it, it I thought, well, I'd hate to look back and think, yes, I probably should have done that. Yeah. yeah. So It could have been easy to say, oh, no, I won't go because, you know, I've got a little, a little one and probably shouldn't do that. But we sort of thought, well, no, if we're going to go, we do it together and... You make it work. Um, I lived in a trailer most of the time when I was over there when Billy was little. Just someone had a, um, just a goose just a gooseneck. Parked out near the house. Yep. Wow. We've had a bed in it, so that's where we camped. And that's oh, fine. We lived. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. Plane trip wasn't that bad. No, Billy was a really good <laughs> He's kid. He's pretty to good traveller. Yeah, so he we were lucky. Sleep. Very fortunate <laughs> like that. <laughs> Whereabouts did you work in the territory, Scott? I uh, worked for Teddy Fogarty. Yeah, okay. Um, up around Alice. Yeah. Alice Springs there. Yeah. Yep. There for, uh, just went one season sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Same sort of thing. You just wanted to get up there and experience that sort of thing? Yeah, well, well, I sort of, well, he used to come to, to Glenrock there um, 
when Bruce was there. Right. And like when I left left school, I was always like Bruce even said, "Yo, you should get a trade." So um, I went and worked for Marsh Carney there for for oh, a little yeah. while when I left school. But yeah, that working inside like that didn't really sort of suit. So when I finished up with Marsh. Bruce rang up and said, well, Teddy's down here, and if you want to go to the Territory, you can do that. So I thought, well, yeah, that'll work. Why not? So we went and done, I went and done that. Yeah. Hmm. Was it a big place there? Yeah, well, they had, back then, um, Teddy and his brothers, I think they had, like, four places then. Um, and they all sort of worked them together. Right. Sort of thing. So you just, you travelled around each one and, and mustered. Um, the, the Lucy Creek and... Um, his sister had Lilla Creek. Um, I had a Ninji then, and I can't think what the other one was now, but yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's alright. Yeah, that was all just yeah something, something different. It was it was good another, another thing you know working with them like you know wild cattle and that sort of thing. It. Yeah. Just helps you with your your stock sense and how to go about working stock. Um, learn a lot out of it actually. Hmm. As far as that goes, and now we've just we're um, a week's gone by since the Nutrient Classic for 2020, formerly known as Landmark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still getting used to it. That's all. But um, <laughs> and you guys are fairly involved most years with that um, sort of deal. And previously in 2018, Linda, you were the challenge winner on Candy Woman. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit how she came about and the story behind her, essentially. Yeah, well, the year before, I was sitting up in the grandstand and Scott was actually, you were in the final that year too, weren't you, the year before? Yep. Um, on a mare that we bought and I said to my mum, because I haven't competed for probably 15 years. So oh, really? Why? Just kids and um, just never really. Yeah. Just, yeah, we didn't, I didn't go anywhere. I was always riding, but I didn't really compete. And I said to mum, I really, I'd like to do that. I reckon I could do that. So she said to me, what? Let's get a horse. So I um, I did actually see a picture of Candy and I thought, showed Scott. And he said, yeah, no, she's she's bred pretty. I've seen her dad and he's a pretty decent horse. She'd be all right. Um, Which is who? Who's her dad? Darrow me. Darrow me, I can never <laughs> say it. Um, anyway, um, we were like, all right, we'll... Um, We'll see how she goes. We'll see what she goes for it. But I'm, we missed her. I don't know what happened there. I was probably late. I'm always running late. Right. Um, I missed her. She got sold. And I was very disappointed. And I was flicking through the magazine thinking, I don't know, what else? I'll have to find something else. Um, very annoyed. And then next thing she come back through and, and there'd been some issue with you know they brought the wrong horse or something was the reason that they brought her back to um so they were putting her back on the market again yeah so we bought her um yeah so that was a funny little wow yeah i don't know whether it was meant to be or what but yeah that's a bit eerie (laughs) so i went home pretty happy and i did get on her the first when i got her home and i my initial thought was oh my god she's so rough i don't think i'll let scott get on her because you'll probably go gee she's a rough little <laughs> but um yeah so then that was my plan i thought all right i'm gonna get her ready for this challenge and i was very confident that i'd be able to get her ready um but then as it drew closer 
I um I started thinking well I we didn't I don't know I hadn't worked her on cattle at all we'd only just worked her on the bison um I think I rode her in at a clinic on some cattle so she hadn't really seen many and I was just not you know hadn't competed in 15 years and I'm like oh I don't know <laughs> I don't know about this and then I went to the judges seminar and and I did the wrong thing I looked at the um the draw and I looked at the horses and the competitors and I was like oh my gosh like what am I doing like all these really good horses and really handy trainers and competitors and then I stood there at the judges seminar and it really it everything kicked in I was like no nah, I can't do this my horse is not ready we haven't seen cattle I'll probably really fall off going down the fence and all this stuff's going through my head and I'll probably do the wrong pattern and I'll just make a fool of myself yeah I'm I'm okay with it I'm I've, I've had fun in my younger years I'll just yeah I got home and and then Scott's come in and I've seen the kitchen and he's like you're ready and then I've just burst into tears and it was really really embarrassing I don't really like admitting it but I did I did I burst into tears and he's like well I can ride her I'm happy to ride her but he said you're going to regret it and he said also he sort of said and I am not going to tell your mother that you're not riding her <laughs> he said that's going to be a big issue so I did calm down and he said you're right get out there and practice your pattern so I did uh, I actually went outside and walked it and I was like all right he's right I've bought it for a reason this is my goal go and just go and do it enjoy it this is where we're at so I went and the first round I wasn't overly because I was so nervous so I didn't ride that well but I was still like oh well I did the best I could so I'm happy with my mare I was always really happy she just give 100% no matter what um then the wet work which I yeah just really nervous because I was like oh my god she hasn't worked cattle this is not going to go good um I don't really even remember the second round but I'm um, it must have went good <laughs> and, but I remember coming back out and Scott's like damn that little mare for the amount of cattle she's seen she she stepped up which she did didn't she oh, I, I just remember I remember rating one like for the going down there for the fence turn and you could just see that mare rating that cow going down the fence and I thought look at that she's hardly had any of this yeah. but she uh but she like she always you could tell she was cowy and yeah. could read a cow and that but she just never had it a lot of it but no. uh, and yeah I, she was she was pretty cool i thought i had no idea what i really was doing i was just like i hope this works out and, <laughs> and it did and i just scraped into the final so i was like this is amazing this is my goal i just yeah. wanted to make the final i wanted to get a gray cap <laughs> i never really thought before any more than that that was just this is my goal i just would like to make the final that would be really cool to ride at night time in that alec gray cap that'd be good and when I when I done it I'd never really I hadn't even really looked at the final pattern so that was the next thing I was like oh my god I haven't really done lead changes on her and so I started panicking about that and and then again Scott's just like don't worry about it, just change her yeah so that's what I went in thinking well I've made it this far I'll yeah whatever whatever happens happens because you've well, made the final about, think about them good ones they usually will step up too which she did every round yeah I was I was down the back. Um, no one could really talk to me. You know, then fellas that had probably competed a lot, they were all there joking and talking, and I was just like trying to concentrate on my breathing. I was actually shaking. My legs were <laughs> quivering. I, I was trying to control it all because I didn't want her to, to feel it because she's really sensitive. Yeah. Um, 
So I was just really like, oh my God, try and breathe. And I think someone said to me, you know, you're right. You know, I was like, yeah, I'm just concentrating on breathing. And, <laughs> and I don't really remember the run. Like I said, I was just really nervous. Yeah. Beyond it, felt sick, felt ill going in. And when I come out, I got off because I undone a girth. And I remember I could, couldn't stand, my legs were shaking. And again, I can't remember who it was. They were like, you're right. And I'm like, I'm actually not. I said, I'm just, yeah, I can't breathe. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you told them I'm never doing this again. Yeah, I did. I said, that's it. I'm never doing this again. It's too much. I'll just brush Scott's horse's tail from now on. <laughs> I'm really good at brushing the tails. I'll just do that. Because that, that there is just, oh, stressful. Yeah. And I walked out and I said, there she is. She's yours. You can take this mare. I'm done. And I didn't know I'd won it or anything like by then. I was just like, that's it. I've made the final. I did what I set out to do, but I don't want to ever go through that again. (laughs) And then what was the feeling when you heard the score come through? Um, You were announced on top. Yeah. Again, I was, I think I was sitting there with next to Amelia and I said to her, I'm making a joke. Cause I just said, oh, this is like Pony Club when they hand out all the ribbons and you're the one sitting there with no ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm back at Pony Club again. So I was kind of making a bit of a joke about it. And then, yeah, they, I didn't even just, I don't know. I just never, never even really added it up. I hadn't watched anybody else because I, I went back out of my run and I was just like trying to regain my, yeah, yeah my legs sure. again. And I just i didn't watch anyone else so i didn't know what anyone else had done i was running like i don't think i was sitting 13th uh, i thought you wanted to be ninth i think ninth was i yeah, yeah so I, remember, I just never even I, I drove home that day i had billy in with me and i said i won't tell your mother i said but she could still win this thing i said i won't tell her because it'll make her too nervous but that mare's good enough and i think they can get it done yeah no it was i can't really explain it it was yeah just a moment I probably yeah, never ever have again yeah. and um, I just that little me I owe her everything yeah, yeah it must be you know we're very lucky to get um, a great horse like that every now and then but that that mare must have had a big impact on your life she did because um, it wasn't just about winning that event like I said two weeks before when I was just working her out in the flat and mum come out and watched her because she kind of had a personal investment like interest in her yeah. and I was like I don't if I make the final size that's my goal but if I don't I said I'm I feel really happy about what I've done with it because I said I just I love where I'm at with her so I was kind of I was proud with where we were for us, for me and that horse, whether we won or what, whether we finaled, I was really, I just knew I had a good horse and I really felt a bit lucky about that. So I guess I, in the end, I went in, you know, with that frame of mind that even though I was nervous, underneath it all, I knew that the mayor was probably um, very willing. Yeah. Um, I knew she would step up for me. Whenever I asked her, she just kept stepping up. So... I guess in a way, underneath, I kind of knew she was capable. It was more me. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably the biggest part of it. So, yeah. Has that experience, you reckon, helped you now compete? Oh, definitely. I probably feel a little bit more like, yeah, I can do it. I, I've got to back myself more. Um, but being a mum, I think it's hard. I've always thought, uh, felt guilty for choosing to do probably like I love 
training them and working them but it's always a bit of a juggle I think well I need to put them first yeah. um, and this time yeah I thought no I'm going to do this and and um, I'm glad I did but um, it's, it is a bit of a constant juggle when you're a mum yeah. trying to um, you kind of feel guilty if you put yourself before your kids yeah not that I think you're probably doing that but yeah it, it is one of those things I reckon that I struggle a little bit with yeah mm. Yeah. I like to be put the kids first and try and help Scott sort of thing and yeah but it has helped me because I'm like well, you need to back yourself all the time mm. don't ever second guess yourself because you miss opportunities well it certainly paid off the time you did yeah didn't it? Yeah. yeah it did <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually and that was the other thing the Friday before the challenge like before I went in it I'd actually rang my bank because we decided we needed a trailer and I rang them and said, oh, I just want to put, like, start the application for a float. Um, we need to get a stock trailer. Not really giving the challenge any thought. I'm, I didn't honestly think about it. And I just put the application in and I thought, oh, I'll just get this challenge over and done with and then I'll fix that up Monday. And we then we've got the loan sorted and we can go and look for a float. Yeah. And you went one month. <laughs> so I had to ring them on Monday and say, hey, about that application, don't worry about it. It's all good. I just won one, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so now you guys are at, at Tamworth, obviously, and as we mentioned before, and, and you're just training horses now. What's what's the deal? Yeah, same old, same old, really, isn't it? We just keep... You, you've got a couple of snuffle bit horses. Yeah, there's three snuffle bit horses here this year. Yeah. Um, to take through and... Um, yeah, we just had a couple in the challenge at Flair, Mark. Yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, just working on more more probably the challenge horses and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, They're lots of fun. Yeah, I, I start a fair few for people on cattle to to go and draft and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, like now, I'm just pretty happy to get them ready for someone and they can go. Yeah. They can go and compete them. I don't mind being at home that much, but... Uh, I sort of done a fair bit of travelling when I was riding saddle bronc horses and rodeo and so it, it doesn't worry me. It was a lot easier to cart a saddle than a truck full of horses, <laughs> mm. <laughs> I thought. But, but yeah, I, I still, you know, we go and do, you know, you had in the, the challenge at Nutrien and mm. uh, Canamble and, um, you know, any, any sort of challenges, we, we kind of like them a little bit more just yep. with the dry work and the... And the wet work that goes with it, you've got to have a pretty broke horse. Yeah. Um, so I, I like doing them a fair bit. Yeah. And uh, Well, now, speaking of these challenges, Lindy, you're sort of the um, force behind starting up a ABCRA challenge sort of section. Just talk to us a little bit about what's coming up and what we can look forward to. So I've... Um been sort of um, talking with a couple of the board members of the ABCRA and and we we, we all agree that um, challenges are um, something I think a lot of people are keen to do and my idea behind it was that um, and, I, and looking at Nutrien um, the like the challenge and that there I've seen people buy horses and even myself what you learn from trying to prepare them for it that's what I thought well wouldn't it be cool if we had more events to go to um, and then like people learn so much from trying to prepare a horse for for these challenges and and especially encouragement people that um, are trying to draft I think there's a real 
a real spot there for them to do these challenges. It's like a bit of a, um, you know, step starting up. point. Starting yeah, point, step starting yeah. point for them to maybe have challenges to go to and, and learn how to do circles and patterns and then also um, work a cow and stuff. And then it prepares them more to go out and draft because um, drafting so competitive and it's hard mm. to get into. And I thought, wouldn't it be really good if we could, yeah, get get challenges going. A lot of the committees are affiliated with the ABCRA. A lot of our members are members of the ABCRA. So what, why can't we develop a challenge um, event under the ABCRA banner? So that's awesome. we're in the process of trying to sort all that out. There'll be a lot of teething problems, I, I expect, but I think in the end it'll be well worth it because um, they are a lot of fun. They're challenging. Yeah. 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 And you, you don't and need as many, many cattle. Being no. a cattle could be a little tough for a while. Yeah. So with the challenges, you don't need to get as many cattle in to, to be able to run one. You won't have as many, like, as big entries either. Uh, and, yeah, if you're encouragement ones, you know, like, you can just put one cow in the camp. And even if they drop back twice, you mightn't get a score in there, but you still get to go out and chase one. Mm. So people can... Still can, get an outside score. Yeah, can get an yeah. idea of chasing one outside and get an outside score. Because a lot of people go to a draft and they get, they get cracked off and... They don't really get to learn to have it run outside because they don't get many. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, so. it's, it, it's really, I, I really like the idea of helping the, um, you know, your encouragement people and that learn more and get more experience. And that's um, definitely, and young horses, um, getting your young horse ready. If you, if you can do a lot of this um, flat work and stuff and preparing them, um, I think it'll make them better to draft later on too. So. Mm. Because yes. we'll try and have a, like a three-year-old part in it as well. Yeah, junior horse. Um, and yeah. So that you can, you know, cart a three-year-old with you when you go and do a challenge. And whether it's a, a dry work and a utility or something along them lines, we're still working that out a little bit. Or, you know, whether down the track people get to where you might just have a cutout on them or mm. yeah. box one for the cow horse part of it or something like that. We'll just see how that pans out. But yeah, it's, we, we talk to lots of different people and we're always open to their ideas and opinions and and um, working out what people would be interested in doing. And, and I, yeah, if any committees want to try and do something, then definitely they hope they contact yeah. ABCRA or us and, and try and put a challenge on, especially when it's so dry and there's not, you know, it's hard to run a draft or this might be another option and... Um, a lot of people are very keen to have a go, so I hope it takes off. Oh, I think it's certainly a great initiative and a step mm. in the right direction for sure. Yeah, it was a little bit different to the one up in Queensland too because we've, we've structured a bit different. You've either got the camp draft leg of it for the wet work or you can, uh, if you wanted to, you could have a, a, a two-head, two-minute cutting part of it if you liked or oh. similar to the Nutrient Classic where you've got the the cow horse wet work too depending on your facilities and yeah. Yeah. how it's set up to, to what you might want to run there awesome yeah. So. yeah well we'll definitely be partaking in that and um, can't wait yeah. to see it get off the ground I yeah I really hope so I hope um, I, we keep trying to iron out all the all these things that we're trying to get sorted and it takes off because I think it'd be a lot of fun and yeah yeah definitely could be yeah Good for the ABC and good for competitors. Yeah, it'll be fun. Well, guys, thank you very much for um, coming in and talking to us on our podcast show. It's been oh, much you. appreciated. And, um, yeah, we wish you the best with the rest of the year and 
and uh, look forward to competing against you and with you guys. Thank yeah, you. Hopefully, hopefully you'll have one ready to go in the challenge. Um, I'll have to, <laughs> have to get a few more circles going, I think. <laughs> right, no, I thank guess. you, Pat. Well, guys, thanks for listening into that interview with Scott and Lindy. We sure appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed it. They're just such great people, so humble and so very genuine. A couple of my takeaways from today. I just, I really couldn't go past that awesome story and experience that Lindy shared with us with her and her horse and that challenge final and, and everything leading up to it. It was just a, you know, a great experience for her and, and they were probably terrifying at the time. I'm sure she looks back on it now and just, you know, realizes how incredible that was. And I feel like we can all relate to that in some sort of sense. We may not have been in the exact same situation, but we all get placed in uncomfortable zones. And, you know, it's sometimes it works out for us and sometimes it doesn't. But I just thought it was such an awesome experience. And I'm so glad that you shared that with us, Lindy. So thank you very much. Also, I really love the support that Scott and Lindy gave one another through these times. Like when they you know back themselves to go to the states and you know they had a kid there and everything but they just went went with it and enjoyed life and i really can appreciate how they just really supported one another through every decision they made and i just thought that was something to really credit to them and i just thought it was really cool about them all right guys that's going to do us for this week's episode we sure hope you enjoyed our interview with scott and lindy be sure to like and share our post on facebook and leave a comment Let us know what you thought and what your takeaway was from that interview. We'd love to hear from you guys. Next week, guys, we'll be up at the NCHA National Finals at Toowoomba, so we'll be sure to bring you some of the live updates and all the action from there. Till next week, guys, we'll see you then.